Fellas, what up? Welcome to episode 19.5 of the MFHT cast. I am the Kamish, and we are sponsored tonight by Crux Fermentation Project. Brought to you from Bend, Oregon. Playwave Northwest Pale Ale. It's delicious, sessionable. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's a lot of good breweries over there in Central Oregon. And this is a, a rare podcast for me because... I've done something that I've never done before, which is started and stopped the podcast now five times. I've always prided myself on we're just going to go or stream of consciousness and go with the flow. And for some reason, I've uh, had a hard time getting the words out tonight, been in my own head a little bit too much, maybe overthinking it a little bit. Probably the first time that that's ever happened to me. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Get over the hump here. Week seven, looking back on the week that was, uh, I thought it was a a pretty tough week and certainly a low scoring week and kind of some strange things going on. I think it was low scoring for a few reasons, one of which is obviously, you know, we're getting to that point in the season where we have guys on by, we have guys that are hurt, and we need to start making some roster decisions that are maybe less than ideal, uh, maybe that we don't feel good about. I was introduced to a new term today. That, that I love and I'm going to start using, and that term is hate start. So as in, you know, if you're desperate for a running back, here's a guy that you can hate start. And, you know, I think we've all been there. I think some of us were there in week seven. So that's what I'm going to start using. One of the big things on, on this week was obviously the David Johnson, Chase Edmonds situation. Um, going into the weekend, it looked like David Johnson was not going to play making Chase Edmonds a very viable to good play. Um, And then by Sunday, it was no David Johnson's going to be active. And so that, you know, was a big downgrade and a big hit to Chase Edmonds. And of course, come to find out, they had no intention of actually playing David Johnson. And Chase Edmonds just absolutely went off. Um, So that kind of threw a wrench in things. And then I think the other thing that was uh, a big factor in, in the week overall being low scoring was, the Rams-Falcons game being so one-sided. That was the highest total game on the slate. And, you know, obviously a lot of us in the league have guys on the Falcons offense because they've been a traditionally good offense. Matt Ryan's been performing well. Even though they're not a good team, their passing offense has still been putting up yards and scoring touchdowns. And and they've been an offense that's been able to support uh, a lot of viable fantasy players over the years. And, you know, they kind of hit rock bottom this week. So... Um, for those of you that were rostering Falcons players, you know, Julio, Calvin Ridley, Sanu, Devontae Freeman, who got kicked out of the game. Um, if you were playing Edo Smith, even, or, you know, Austin Hooper, Hooper may have done a little bit better than some of the other guys. I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, it was just kind of a bust all around. And I think that, uh, lowered the scoring on the week, uh, pretty substantially. And then on the other side with the Rams, you know, um, they put up a good game collectively as an offense, and Jared Goff had a nice game. But some of their some of their skill position players that you'd look to, you know, Cooper Cup didn't have a great game. Uh, um, uh, Cooks didn't have a great game. Bob Woods had an okay game, but you know, no ceiling games from from that side either. So the fact that that game didn't really pop, I think, is part of what kept the games pretty low scoring this week. Um, and Eric in our league really led that low scoring brigade with a score of 60, basically getting the worst possible outcome from everyone on his roster. He got housed by Barsotti, who put up 155 on the backs of his 
really good running backs. Uh, Dalvin Cook, who has been one of the most and best, uh, most consistent and best backs in the game. He it, he has the 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 perfect combination of talent, scheme, opportunity. Um, has a good defense, so they're going to be in positive game script a lot. Um, and he's also just. You know, I don't know how much you guys get a chance to watch him play, but he is an electric runner. I, I really like watching him, uh, even though he plays for the Vikings, which chaps my ass. And then um, Derrick Henry produced, Austin Eckler. Uh, even with Melvin Gordon back, it's pretty clear that Austin Eckler is the better of those two running backs. And with uh, the – God, I always want to say San Diego, but with the L.A. Chargers not playing very well in general, they're playing from behind more, really benefits Eckler with his pass-catching skill set. Um, and those guys all showed up for Barsodi. So big win for him. Tim and Darren had the battle of the Billies this week, 84 to 94, just kind of gross all around. Nobody doing much there. We're not going to spend much time on it. Next matchup, Nuts uh, took down service 158 to 142. Nuts is on a bit of a heater here, guys, uh, taking his second game in a row down. We need to get this man a linen suit and some dice and get him to a craps table because he is rolling. Um, yeah, 158 was a big number this week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers just completely nuts for 54 points. Big thing for, for nuts was um, getting MVS in the lineup. It was really unclear as to whether or not he was going to play. And he did play. Didn't run a ton of routes. Didn't catch a ton of balls. But the guy's fast, man. And when he makes plays down the field, they go big. And, and that's what happened. Michael Thomas has just been as consistent as any wide receiver in the NFL this year again. And he had another big day for nuts uh, against the bears. So really great score for nuts and service. You know, he got a huge game from Marvin Jones, four touchdowns from Marvin Jones. And, and, you know, that's obviously a massive outlier, but uh, Marvin Jones will do this every once in a while where he just pops off for this huge game that seemingly comes out of nowhere. He seems to own the Vikings uh, for whatever reason. Also got three touchdowns from Sony Michelle on Monday night football, the big killer for service was was the Chase Evans situation. Left him on the bench. I mean, that's 40 points on the bench. Um, you know, had he played him, it would have been a huge week. But again, given the information that was coming from the Arizona coaching staff, I think that was a, a pretty tough call there. So, um, you know, rough, rough beat for service there. One thing that I heard this uh, over the last couple of days uh, that service might want to take into consider consideration is that this is now really the sell high window on Chase Edmonds, right? It's, uh, you know, everybody's seen what he could do. Everybody's seen him play really well. Um, he just had what is almost certainly going to be his best game of the year. And if you roster him, you almost certainly had him on your bench and didn't benefit from it. So now's really the time to move on from Chase Edmonds and get what you can from him. And now having said that on this podcast to everybody in our league, I feel like I kind of just ruined that for service. Um, but it is what it is. In our next matchup, Bartley took down Rob 137 to 118. Bartley got nice games from Josh Allen. Steph Diggs has played well for a few weeks in a row now. And Hunter Henry, which this situation, I have to say, really chops my ass. I drafted Hunter Henry and was okay on it. I didn't love it, but you know, whatever. Then he got hurt, and it was like when he got hurt, it was like he wasn't going to play for like eight to 12 weeks. Like he, it was like unclear as to whether he was even going to come back at all this season. And then out of nowhere, he's back like a month later and just absolutely balling out. Like, I feel like that's my tight end pisses me off. He's playing for somebody else. Anyways, moving on. 
Uh, Rob got uh, ceiling game finally from DeAndre Hopkins, um, but it didn't amount to much because Mark Ingram and Evan Ingram and Devin Singletary all busted for him. He uh, Rob played Alan Lazard, the uh, Packers wide receiver, who came in late in the game on Monday Night Football a week ago and um, became known that he was a favorite of Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers really loves him and wants to play. Lazard would have been a group. I think he was in a great spot if MVS and if Geronimo Allison had not played, but they both ended up playing. Lazard ran more routes than anybody on the Packers. Um, so he was on the field quite a bit. But with Allison, with MVS, with Jimmy Graham having his, you know, once every two months good performance, uh, I think they spread the ball around a little bit. And he didn't end up getting a lot of love. So that, uh, I think it was a, a smart play by Rob, but didn't end up working out. Colmer took down Bettis in another low-scoring battle, 101 to 96. For Colmer, um, you know, he picked up Melvin Gordon in the draft, late, kind of late-ish, mid-round draft pick, sat on him, knew he would come back once uh he saw that he didn't have any leverage. I think that was a smart play there. The Chargers offensive line is terrible. They have so many injuries across the board. And Melvin Gordon has been in across a variety of statistical areas, literally the worst running back in the NFL since he's come back. Um, he is awful. And he got screwed at the end of the game there. Should have had a touchdown call, but whatever. He, Regardless, he is straight up awful. Um, and this yes does feed into my uh, my priors, my confirmation bias, my, my whatever bias you want to have against Melvin Gordon, I have it. Um, and that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. It's my podcast. I'll allow it. Um, plus side for Colmar, uh, Darren Waller is a legit baller. Uh, the guy can play and they're feeding him the ball. So that's working out really well for him. On Bettis' side, T.Y. Hilton and Rivers hit, but not much else. 96 points. Not good. Bettis is languishing. And in the last matchup, I beat Tyser in a squeaker, 165 to 119. Tice got 30 from L. Jax, who is... So far this year, putting up an uh, like an MVP caliber type performance, um, just just you know flat out balling. Uh, there was a quote that he had. You know, I'm sure I'll mess it up, but it was a, it was kind of a wet, soggy game, and there was something like he didn't have the right cleats on. And he was talking about how he needed to get his original cleats on because there was no way that he couldn't be running past linebackers. I mean, just so so confident in his ability to to make plays out there, and that was really apparent when they converted some big fourth downs. Um, just a really good, really good performance from Lamar Jackson in real life and in fantasy. Um, unfortunately for Tice, good, not great from Aaron Jones and Saquon. Uh, Gerald Everett absolutely looks like a stud. Uh, that is another mouth to feed in that offense, which I don't love for the other pieces in the Rams offense. But he looks like a really good tight end. And then Edelman, Fitz, and Tyreek Hill uh, didn't get over the hump for him. Tyreek Hill caught a long touchdown, but that was it. And then on my side, you know, A-Rob showed out. My boy Smokey Brown showed out. Dak and Amari showed out on Sunday night. And that was really kind of the pivot for me and – or pivotal for, for me and Tice's matchup. Um, he had Philly's defense. I thought there was a chance, given how Dallas has looked recently, that Philly's D could come out and punch them in the mouth. That didn't happen. Um, they have real trouble in their secondary. And then the big thing for me was starting Latavius Murray – you got 35 points against the Bears, which, you know, hurt me on a personal basis. But 
from a fantasy standpoint, you know, I've learned over the years that my team is going to suck more often than not. So I might as well reap the rewards from a fantasy standpoint. Um, the Bears defense has really been not good since they lost Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks is 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 a difference maker in the middle of the field, um, kind of in the same way that a guy like Snacks Harrison is. Just changes the game. I mean, it's 330 pounds, athletic, um, just kind of erases the other team's running game. And ever since he's gone down um, it, early on in that Raiders game, they haven't been able to stop the run at all. And their offense can't stay on the field. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, the way that the game is set up now in the NFL is that if a defense is on the field for too many plays, they're just, they're going to get overwhelmed um, kind of regardless of how much talent they have. And, and I think that's a, a little bit about what's happening to the Bears D right now. So Latavius ended up being a great play for me, put up 165 with CMC on the bench, really happy with that performance and uh, moving on to week eight. So our standings in the league right now, we have Bettis at one and six languishing nuts uh, is looking to make a move now at two and five. He's down there with service. Then we have Bartley, Cormer, and Tyser all at three and four. I still think Tyser could make a run here. At four and three, we have Rob, Darren, and Eric. This is getting to be a dangerous time of year for Darren. What with the Blazos firing up and NBA coming back. Uh, and I think Eric is in a little bit of trouble here with his running backs. Damian Williams, David Montgomery, Frank Gore. Um, I don't know what you hang your hat on there. And in theory um, – Eric should be getting a lot of points in production from Devontae Adams and from Odell Beckham. Uh, and that's just not really playing out the way that you'd like to see it. Obviously, Devontae Adams has heard Odell Beckham has underperformed. At five and two, we have Tim and Barsotti, both very solid teams. Tim picked up AJ Green off waivers, who I was hoping to hide for one more week. That burns my ass. Uh, talked about Barsotti's solid running back situation. And then I sit at six and one. You know, once again, I think on the back of um, just guys that are getting the ball all the time. And and that's that's kind of, you know, what what the difference is for me right now. And I am still cautious and, and you know, I feel like the the shoe, the other shoe could drop in terms of some of the overuse of these running backs that I have right now. But, you know, frankly, that is a good problem to have. All right. Let's move on to the side league. First and foremost, shout out to Bartley for taking down our nine-man side league with a score of 143.94 on what was a low-scoring week. That was a really nice score. Uh, standings in the side league through seven weeks now uh, are nuts, three wins, myself two wins, and two wins to Medford uh, with one each to Bartley and Tyser. So the rest of you sad sacks. Need to nut up a little bit here and uh, go get your money back. Uh, service knocked on the door this week. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, second thing I want to touch base on on, on the side league is uh, understanding the different types of fantasy games when you're playing DFS. Um, and I think this applies to when you're playing in, in our season-long league too in a head-to-head -head format. But um, in DFS, there's, there's fundamentally two types of uh, two types of games that you play on a week-to-week -week basis. One are called guaranteed prize pools or tournaments. Um, that's basically where DraftKings says, we're putting up a certain amount of prize money uh, no matter how many people enter this. Uh, and we have a max on, you know, I'm just pulling a number out of my head here. 
uh, maybe a thousand people can enter this tournament or 10,000 people can enter this tournament. But regardless of how many people enter, we're still paying out a certain amount of prize money. Uh, we're fronting that money essentially. So that's the, the prize pool is guaranteed. Um, those tend to be very top heavy. Um, you know, most of the prize money is, is at the very, very top. And, you know, maybe 20% of the field ends up in the money. And most of that is in first place. And you have to, to, to win that to, to beat, you know, a thousand people or 10,000 people or 50,000 people or whatever, you know, you have to A, kind of think outside the box and do things that other people aren't doing. Uh, and, and B, you need to really attack the ceiling in your lineup. You really need to, to be willing to say, well, things probably aren't going to go my way, but if X and Y and Z and A and B and C all happen, then I've got a shot and you have to be willing to take some risks, right? Um, that's how you win those kind of tournaments. And it's really hard to do. And I, I play those tournaments. And I love it. It's a ton of fun, but that's something that I have a really hard time with is figuring out kind of the right strategy, um, the, the kind of right balance of risk reward. What we play in the side league is considered a cash game because there's no guaranteed prize pool, right? The prize pool is whatever money we put into it. Um, but typically in cash games, 50% of the field gets paid out. So whether you're playing a head to head, so you play head to heads on DraftKings, uh, you put five bucks in, another guy puts five bucks in, you play one opponent and you play for the other person's, you know, essentially five bucks. Uh, DraftKings takes a little bit off the top. Um, so you can post and play head to heads anywhere from like two to $3 up to like 10 grand. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw 10 grand up against you that I can beat you uh, with my best lineup. Um, and in those cases, in, 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 in the cash game lineups, you want to play, you want to give yourself access to a ceiling, but really what you want to consider is the player's floor. So you want to be making smart plays um, and just play the best absolute players and don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Our league, the side league is a little bit of a hybrid because um, you're not just playing against one person and we don't have a situation where half the field is getting paid out. But when you only need to beat six, seven, eight, nine dudes, I think that the cash game philosophy of um, locking in a floor and making smart plays is the right approach. And thinking about it from a, from a tournament standpoint and trying to be unique and trying to, um, you know, hit guys like a Marvin Jones Jr., for example, that are most weeks not going to do anything, but every once in a while pop off for these huge games is, is not the right approach. Um, and so this week, uh, so I have been trying to approach the side league like kind of a hybrid of those, of those two approaches, the tournament approach and the cash game approach, where I, ideally what I want to be doing is finding those really good high floor plays at running back um, and then finding a game to stack um, where if the game shoots out, I have both sides of the ball and it's just sort of, it, it eliminates one more thing that I have to get right. Like I've just, I've, I've identified a game that goes off, the game goes off, my high floor running backs hit their floor and I'm good, right? So some mistakes that I made this week were one, I got too excited about the Atlanta uh, LA Rams game and stacked 
Cooks and Ridley, both high ceiling but high floor players. And I was going back and forth on those two versus T.Y. Hilton, who was in a great spot, and Smokey Brown, who was also in a great spot. And the big thing is that I'm really kicking myself about is that T.Y. and Smokey are my boys. Remember last year, I could not convince you guys. I tried to trade T.Y. Hilton to every single one of you guys, and nobody would trade him to me. And I kept trying to convince you guys how good he is, and nobody believed me. Um, still pissed about that. And Smokey's been my boy for a few years now. Love that guy. And so I was sitting there with this lineup where I had T.Y. and Smokey, and I was like, no, I think I'm going to stack Atlanta Rams. And I don't think that was like a terrible idea. Um, but man, the as we talked about, the Falcons just did not hold up their end of the bargain there. So that didn't play out well for me. The big mistake that I made is um, my guy Evan Silva got really into the idea of playing Dante Pettis as a tournament play this week. Um, one, I will say I got really bad intel on the weather on that game. I thought the weather was not going to be a big deal in that game. It turned out to be a shitty mess, uh, and so be it. Um, but the big mistake that I made there was, you know, if you wanted to play Pettis in a tournament and you need to beat 10,000 people and you need some random dude to go off to do it, fine. But there's really no reason to play a guy like that against, you know, eight other guys. Um, because there's better plays that you can find. And so that was a big mistake by me. So, you know, once again, do as I say, not as I do. I uh, got a little bit of fancy play syndrome there and uh, thought about it a little too hard and ended up on a play that I shouldn't have ended up on. So anyways, uh, I do want to spend a few minutes talking about the lineups that, that finished well in our league and not just about the stupid, shitty stuff that I did. Uh, in third place, we had Eric. I can't remember. I think this was Eric's second week in a row playing in the side league. Finishes with a respectable 127.82 points uh, in his second week in the league this year. I thought he made some really nice plays. First off, Leonard Fournette at 7K was just a lock button. He's been getting so much run. And against Cincinnati, um, that was, I think, probably the easiest play on the board. Seven out of the nine of us played uh, Leonard Fournette. So you might say, well, gosh, if seven out of nine of us played him, what's even the point of playing a guy? But again, in these types of scenarios, just make the best plays and, and see if the other guys can make the best plays too. And I think Leonard Fournette was, when you consider price, the best play on the board. Um, played Lamar Jackson. I think that's a great play too. We already talked about him and how good he looked. And uh, also played Steph Diggs. And, you know, Steph Diggs has been balling. They've been opening up their passing game a little bit. Good spot for him. Why not? Played Cooper Cup, uh, who I think was a good play. He didn't really hit. Only had 11 points, but nevertheless a good play. And that's one of the things that we have to do, too, is thinking about um, guys who are good plays but don't necessarily hit. They're still good plays. And like, especially a wide receiver, guys aren't going to hit every week. And so you can't beat yourself up if you make a good play and it doesn't hit. Um, and you have to kind of learn how to differentiate that between, um, you know, Cooper Cup was a good play that didn't hit. Dante Pettis was a shitty play that didn't hit. You know, um, those are two different scenarios. Uh, things that did not work out well for Eric and, and that he might have done differently if he had a chance. Uh, played Joe Mixon, who, you know, playing behind a terrible offense. Well, one thing is you typically don't want to play uh, two running backs from the same game because it's unlikely that they're both going to go off. Uh, Joe Mixon is in a timeshare with Geo. Their offensive line sucks. They're not playing him much in the passing game, and that's that's really killing his value. And then doubling down with Tyler Eifert, who is also in a timeshare 
on a shitty offense. Um, you know, if for some reason Cincinnati decided to show up, those guys might be good plays, but the likelihood that they're going to show up is really low. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about more this year is uh, where teams have really bad offenses, they can often support like one player from a fantasy standpoint. So like Allen Robinson on the bears is a really good fantasy player. Terry McLaurin on Washington is a really good fantasy player. Uh, you can make a case that Preston Williams can play a little bit on Miami, but none of those teams can actually support more than one player. And in Cincinnati, they can support Tyler Boyd, but they can't support anybody else. Um, and I think that all caught up to Eric just a little bit, um, you know, going too big on a shitty team. Service took a, a, another tough beat here. Rough week for service, you know, losing in the main league, um, not playing Chase Edmonds, and then losing in the side league by less than a point. Um, he's knocking on the door, but damn, that's tough. Uh, service also played Fournette, played Cousins, Thielen Stack, nice, like that. Played Devontae Freeman and Brandon Cooks in that Atlanta Rams game. So kind of ran into the same thing that I did where Atlanta didn't really play. Devontae Freeman ends up getting kicked out of that game in a fight situation. Um, but that could have worked out a lot better for him than it did. Played Hunter Henry. Uh, only two people in the league played Hunter Henry. He, As I said earlier, he's been balling out. And paired Leonard Fournette with Jags D, which I think was a really, really smart play against Cincinnati. Service was the only one that played Jags D. They got 17 points for him. And then in first place with 143.94 is Bartley. And what I really like about what Bartley did is, you know, kind of as I was saying, he just made the smart plays. He just made smart plays and let the rest of us fuck it up. And that's not going to necessarily work in a league every week. Uh, but in a week where things are a little bit more low scoring, um, it's certainly going to work. Uh, he played T.Y. Hilton, who I think was another one of the best plays on the slate, kicking myself that I did not play him. Um, he was in a great spot against Houston that is terrible on the boundaries, playing at home on the fast track where he does really well. Paired him with Jacoby Brissett, which I will say I did not know or think that Jacoby Brissett had – 326 yards and four passing touchdowns in him. And I think I probably need to reassess uh, what I think of Jacoby Brissett as a quarterback, because I still have him from a couple years ago in my mind. And I think he's a different and better quarterback now than he was then. And certainly the system they're playing in the offensive line, they have um, the defense that they have on the other side. I think that all benefits him and, and they have really good skill position players. They're really deep across the board. At, you know, after T.Y. and Marlon Mack, it's a lot of kind of no-namey type guys. But um, they have a lot of really good players there. So really smart by Bartley. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was only 5600 So that really saved him a lot of money. You know, Lamar Jackson was 6800 Jacoby Brissett was 5600 They basically scored about the same amount of points. Um, so really sharp play there by Bartley. Um, also like Cooper cup and Chris Carson, who I think were good plays and just didn't, didn't quite come through, saved a lot of salary by playing Alan Lazard. And we talked about this in, in the main league stuff a little bit. He was the only one that went to Alan Lazard. As I said, I think Lazard was a good play, a, like a really good play. If MBS and Geronimo didn't play with both of them in, um, you know, I think, you know, Bartley got 7.2 points out of him and 7.2 points doesn't really do much for you. But what it does do is, is it opens up all of this other salary that allows you to make the plays that you want to play. And, and one of those plays that Bartley made was Dalvin Cook at 8K. And um, 
Yeah, Dalvin Cook was one of the first guys I locked into my lineup. Uh, Bartley and I were the only two that played Dalvin Cook. I think he was in a great uh, spot again, home against Detroit. Detroit was on, or not home against Detroit, on the road against Detroit, I should say. Nevertheless, Detroit was on a short week coming off that Monday night game against the Packers. Um, had shown that they can't stop the run. The Vikings clearly want to feature Dalvin Cook. As I said, he's clearly very talented. They have a good line. All of these things um, that play into his favor. He's playing in the pass game. You know, he's the kind of high floor, high ceiling running back that we want to lock in. And in a, in a week where, you know, again, it was pretty low scoring and close between Bartley and service. I think playing Dalvin Cook was the real differentiator there for Bartley. So good work by him. Congrats on the win. Um, I need to pull myself together because uh, 122.02 um, does not cut it. I will say me and Barsodi had a bit of a side bet going on. We had a six pack of, of, of the vicious on this one. And I definitely took that one down. Barsodi came in a lowly ninth place with 81.84. He's already doubled down and we're going back at it again next week. So I'm pretty excited about that. We had nine in the side league this week. I want to get us up to double figures. I want to get to the point where we have all 12 of us in the side league. That I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, so anyways, I think that is all I have for tonight. Hope you guys have a great week. Good luck this week. Make sure to set your lineups. There's a lot of dudes on by. We don't want any of that foolishness. All right. Cheers, guys.